Hello and welcome back to another episode of Football Chants and Rants with the Plants with me, Lauren. And me, Graham. Reflecting on the football across the weekend from the top five English leagues, as normal, our weekly podcast. We've got a lot to discuss this week. There are also some midweek fixtures and obviously we're going to be looking at the Premier League all the way through down to the National League. And so the lineup for the podcast, I'm going to be discussing the beautiful weather that we had over the weekend and the impact that that had on some of the matches, as well as putting forward a chance to you dad uh, I've got lots to focus on some uh, good stuff from the lower divisions as usual so to warm up with I know a lot of people have been talking about it so I thought we'd better just quickly chat about oh the debacle about putting Ronaldo on the bench Ole Gunnar Solskjaer he rested him on Saturday for their match against Everton it was an early kickoff. You know, a lot of people saying Ronaldo is 36. He obviously got the winner and helped them beat Villarreal midweek on Wednesday. So to go from a Wednesday evening match at Old Trafford to a Saturday early kickoff match at Old Trafford, what do you reckon, Dad? Was he right to rest Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's got a big enough squad who can rest him occasionally. I think it's the right thing to do, yeah. I'm not sure about that. I think he's a world-class player. And to have Cavani, he's obviously not been fully fit. And Martial, he's hardly scored. You know, they they need to get some big wins under their belt and they haven't been playing that well. So I personally think he should have started him. Well, last year they got a big enough squad if they can't uh, put together a team good enough to play. You know, they didn't play at all well, really. Everton should have won, I think. But uh, I know he's uh, he's fit as a fiddle, so yeah, he could have started him, but it shouldn't make much difference, really. Do you reckon he'll start him next match now after getting a bit of grief? Oh, I'm sure he will, yeah. What's your warm-up conversation? Uh, I'm talking about um, Everton, actually. and oh, okay. um, Rafa Benitez, some of the uh, clever stuff he's done. I mean, you looked at the squad and you thought, what's he doing signing Tamari Gray for uh, 1.7 million towns and done a free transfer? Yeah. Watching them against United yesterday, I mean, they were fantastic, to be fair. The pair of them played really well, especially Gray. I mean, he was... Uh, mm. Give United defence a real uh, run around. So, uh, and Townsend, I mean, he's been around forever, Townsend. I keep forgetting he was at Tottenham for seven years. In that time, he had nine different loan teams. He was all over wow. the place, including Yeovil, all over on loan. And then, of course, he ended up at Palace for 168 games. But uh, got three goals in seven games at Everton, come to come to life again. So, yeah, well done, uh, Rafa Benitez, for some shrewd transfer deals. How do you think their team's going to change when they've got Calvert-Lewin back fit, Richarlison back fit? There's obviously two players that probably go straight into the team sheet. Uh, yeah, I think I think they've probably still got room for Gray and Townsend. Yeah, uh, yeah. If they if they do, you know, if they, as long as they've got some defensive midfielders, yeah, it'll be exciting. Kick off now. So this is our opportunity just to kick off the podcast with a little rant. And this week, I was kind of just reflecting on obviously it was terrible weather over the weekend and worst conditions possible, really in particular for goalkeepers. And from the matches that I saw live, there were a couple of instances when the goalies came out to try and catch it. And obviously it's so wet that a lot of them fumbled with it. Pickford versus Man U, he got quite fortunate. And the main example really was um, Melier from uh, Leeds against Watford. He basically got hold of the ball and obviously it was so terrible the weather that he dropped it and and then very, very fortunate enough to have um, the referee say it was a foul, but it basically wasn't. And it should have been a, a goal for Watford because it was disallowed in the end. But when, you know, if you're there as a goalie and you see it's torrential weather, 
surely I'm thinking just the mindset would be if you're not sure if in doubt just punch it and a lot of defenders trying to play out from the back and when it's Britain it's a Saturday afternoon it's chucking it down it's not very nice weather unfortunately all the pretty football kind of just has to get thrown out the window and you just got to do the basics right so yeah I think I was quite surprised to see some obviously very experienced world-class goalkeepers try and just handle footballs when it's such bad weather if in doubt just punch it not that I'm a goalkeeper um, myself or have any kind of professionalism within it but I think maybe they just should take on the weather a little bit more when playing I mean goalkeepers seem to be prepared when it's sunny they've got a cap on the side so if it's chucking it down I reckon just go with the approach that you just punch it if in doubt because the weather just it causes a lot of problems, obviously. But um, yeah, so that's my little kickoff. Yeah, good point, actually. And I'll come back to the weather for uh, another comment later. But okay. uh, my uh, morning this week is around Watford, who've this morning sacked uh, Muno, Munos, however you pronounce it. Watford have? He is. Ten months in charge. So he got promotion last year. Joined him last December, got promotion, which was, you know, really good. Uh, seven points from seven games. As you said, they could have got a draw to Leeds if they hadn't had the goal disallowed incorrectly. Um, the That's board, ridiculous. Yeah, the, I didn't know that. I the, wasn't checking, obviously, this morning. Yeah, the board have said it's based on a negative trend that's come into the club or something. So, uh, what? I mean, what a lot of rubbish. Five managers in two years. So, I think... Um, They're terrible with it, aren't they, yeah, really? They, they always seem to have a plan, and I'm sure they got somebody sat ready to a point, but... Uh, just a bit strange, really, and uh, I don't think you take that job thinking you're going to be there very long. Well, no, so. if you look at Nigel Pearson, was it he had like four matches left whenever they last in the Premier League and they got rid of him and obviously they got relegated and, oh, that's that's a real shame. Yeah, what a shame. But anyway, yeah, they'll have another manager appointed quick and um, I'm not sure it'll keep him up, but... Uh, Big yeah, Sam? But, Big Sam, will he be back in the Premier League? Big Sam, oh, okay. <laughs> I doubt it very much, but... Uh, yeah, interesting job for somebody, but you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't sell your house and move to London based on getting mm. a Watford job. Halftime turnaround. So this is the teams that we've picked out that we thought really had the best halftime turnaround performance. And this week I'm going to League One for my feature match at Adams Park, Wickham Wanderers versus Morecambe. And Morecambe really dominated the first half. They went 2-0 up at the break after goals from McCalment and Phillips. So obviously Wickham are there 2-0 down at halftime at home. Gareth Ainsworth, he's got quite a halftime team taught to do. Doesn't put any substitutes out, sticks with his team and definitely the right decision. 50th minute, Horgan got a 20-yard shot. Again, slipped through the goalie. Obviously the weather would have been terrible and it's just one of those awkward shots for a goalie to try and save. Three minutes later, Sam Vokes, obviously used to be for Burnley, he equalised to make it 2-2. And then Wickham ended up taking the lead, 3-2. Um, but apparently the Morecambe boss, Stephen Robertson, got sent to stands after apparently being fuming that he thought the goalie was fouled. Um, so it was 3-2 to Wickham. Then a younger from Morecambe got an equaliser. So it was 3-3. With 10 minutes to go in the match and you're thinking, surely is this going to be it? And then in the 92nd minute, uh, Curtis Thompson from Wickham scored his first goal of the season to make it final score was 4-3 to Wickham, which after losing 2-0 at half time, surely it's got to be one of the best turnarounds that we're going to see in this season so far. So yeah, well done to Wickham Wanderers. Great result from them. Yeah, very good. And I've got uh, one of the uh, top games in the championship. Fulham very much favoured for promotion, 1-0 up at Coventry. Coventry have had a good start to the season. They were 1-0 up. McFadzine, own goal, 18th minute. Coventry certainly came to life. Mark Robbins must have given him a good old team talk. 
uh, within four minutes of the restart, they were two one up. Giokis and Godden, and then a Chelsea Loney Martson. He scored another, so in the end it was four one. So what a brilliant win for uh, Coventry Mark Robbins, who's been knocking about as a manager since two thousand and seven. Rotherham Barnes leaded Coventry before Huddersfield Scunthorpe, been at Coventry now since two thousand and seventeen. So. Uh, yeah, he's doing a good job there, actually, and a cracking win for Coventry. We're uh, looking like they could be pushing for playoffs this year. Second half. So, we didn't mention it last week. I just thought it would be a really good opportunity just to say how great it is to see Raul Jimenez rediscovering some great form for Wolves after, obviously, what was an awful fractured skull that he suffered in November last year after his clash with David Louise, And obviously, as a result, he's got to wear the head guard now for the rest of his career. And before his injury, he was obviously their star man. He scored, I think, 30 goals in total across their first two seasons in the Premier League. Obviously, he was partnered up with Jota, who went to Liverpool. And I think a lot of big teams were looking at Jimenez. And then, unfortunately, he got that terrible terrible injury and so yeah finally you know he's back playing the Premier League he was starting every match and then last week he got his first goal back since his injury versus Southampton and then this week um, I talked about Jota but he seems to be pairing up and providing um, he provided two assists for his striking partner He Chan Huang who's um, I think I don't know if he's on loan Um, he might be on loan at Wolves but he looks like a brilliant signing as well so it's just great to see a, Raul Jimenez is back on the pitch full stop and just being able to find some great form. And I think Wolves in particular, if they can get him, you know, and Traore and Huang as well, just teaming up and being on fire, then I think they're going to be a very hard team to, to stop the season. But they've struggled a bit at the beginning of the season. But I think now that Jimenez is getting going, it's going to be um, a huge impact for the team. And yeah, a real big boost for the dressing room and, and for all the fans in particular. Um, so yeah, great to see Raul Jimenez back on the pitch. Another team doing well, or um, having a good start to the season, Brighton, who are fifth. Mm-hmm, very 14 good start. points from seven matches, which is more than they would have ever expected. Fifth in the league, Graham Potter, doing a good job. Actually, I'm never quite sure about Potter, but he does seem to be uh, settling in and doing a good job. They've been there since 2019. Of course, he started in Norway, had eight years in Norway, a year at Swansea, a couple of years at Swansea, and then uh, seems to have settled in Brighton, playing some good football, and uh, should have beaten Arsenal, I think. They were the dominant team and uh, mm. seem to be uh, playing some good uh, good football. So well done, Brighton. Doing very well. Oh, okay. It's an opportunity for me to now put forward a chant to you, Dad. You seem to like my chant last week, Curtis Jones. Uh, this week, it is a 1982 number one single by a British Jamaican reggae band who I haven't actually got the name down for, so hopefully you can remember their name. And the song is Pass the Ducci. Can you remember the name of the band that did that song? Musical Youth. That's it, Musical Youth. So the song is Musical Youth, the Pastor Ducci. And I'm going to go for this song as a chant is aimed at the Everton fans at Goodison Park. Obviously, Coleman, unfortunately, is injured. So he's currently wearing the captain's armband in replace of Coleman. And I'm going for Luca Dina. So rather than Pastor Ducci, it's Pastor Dina. So this would be the chant in the Goodison in the Goodison stand. It would be Pastor Dina on the left-hand side. Pass to Dina on the left-hand side, he gonna burn. Give him the ball, make him jump and prance. Give him the ball, give him the ball and make him jump and prance. Pass to Dina on the left-hand side. Terrible. Yeah, that's probably my worst so far. I think the, only, the only saving grace, you get probably two out of ten because he does, he does play on the left. He so does? The only, uh, okay, fair enough. Reason. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll, I'll admit to the fact that wasn't the best, but I'm sure the Everton fans might take it, you never know. 
final whistle now where we round up the top five English leagues from the weekend and looking towards the Premier League looking towards the top of the table we've got Chelsea who sit top after their convincing 3-1 win against Southampton on Saturday uh, back to winning ways after a disappointing 1-0 loss last week to Manchester City and then in second you've got Liverpool with 15 points quickly followed by Man City on 14 points after their very encouraging and very entertaining 2-2 draw at Anfield on Sunday and then talking of 14 points you've got obviously Manchester City on 14 points but you've got another three teams that also just sitting behind them due to goal difference on 14 points that's Man United Everton and Brighton who've had a fantastic start to the season and also the great start to the season Brentford are currently 7th with 12 points after their 2-1 win on Sunday against West Ham and West Ham themselves now find themselves 8th with 11 points looking at the bottom of the table Leeds picked up their first win of the season beating Watford 1-0 so they now move three points above the drop zone still four teams without a win in the Premier League which is kind of crazy at this point in the season Um, so those teams are Southampton Burnley Newcastle and Norwich all still without a win and Norwich have picked up their first point over the weekend after the 0-0 stalemate at Turf Moor a championship, exciting matches in a championship. Uh, Notts Forest have certainly come good under Steve Cooper, won the last three now, won 3 0 at Birmingham. Very exciting match, actually. Birmingham had nine shots on target, but didn't manage to convert any of them. So, uh, well done, Forest. They've got themselves going, and you'd actually, so, so early in the season, you'd fancy them maybe pushing for a promotion if they can keep that form going. Uh, Bournemouth at the top of the league, uh, they came from 1 0 down at home to Sheffield United to win 2 1. So Scott Parker still unbeaten there, eleven matches unbeaten at Bournemouth, the only unbeaten team in uh, in that uh, in that division. So well done, Scott Parker, going very well there. Uh, Hull actually managed the win in the East Coast derby, two goals in the last ten minutes. Uh, one was an own goal by the keeper. So yeah, some exciting matches Friday night, of course. West Brom and Stoke, two teams who are up there. Stoke managed to beat uh, West Brom one 0 at home, so um, so they're still uh, pushing for promotion. So the top Bournemouth 25 from 11 games, three points clear now, actually, which is good. Uh, and the only unbeaten team was this, uh, West Brom and Coventry, joint second on 22 with Stoke, Fulham and QPR just behind in the playoff places. Derby are bottom, although they would be mid-table if they hadn't have had 12 points knocked off. They drew 0-0 at home to uh, Swansea and... Also down the bottom there, Peterborough and Barnsley. And top scorers in the league, uh, the Chilean wonder, uh, Diaz, is on 10. And so is Mitrovic, I'd miss that actually. So Mitrovic had a good start. Seems to uh, be able to perform in that division. Championship, yeah, definitely. Into League One, well, having gone seven league games without a win, Danny Cowley's Portsmouth side provided quite a shock, actually, thrashing informed Sunderland 4-0. So that really opened the door up for Wigan to leapfrog Sunderland at the table and move top after they won 2-0 away to Gillingham. Plymouth Argyle move up to third despite conceding a 90th minute penalty to draw 2-2 with Lincoln City. And then looking towards the bottom of the table, we've got Doncaster remain bottom despite their 2-1 win versus MK Dons, who dropped to sixth. I think they started down from third. And a mixed day for the rest of the bottom four, which consists of Shrewsbury, who lost at Bolton, Crewe, who drew drew versus Cambridge, and Charlton with a much-needed win at Fleetwood, where they won 2-1. So League 2, Forest Green Rovers are still top. Five matches unbeaten. They had a great 2-0 win at Carlisle. Four points clear of Harrogate now, but Harrogate 2-1 winners at Oldham. Port Vale were third, came back 2-1 from 2-1 down at home to Orient. In the 91st minute, they got an equaliser. 
and then they managed to score uh, straight after. So thirty, yeah, sorry, three two to Port Vale, and I'll be there in a couple of weeks. Actually, watching Barrow who won oh, one yeah, nil at Mansfield, Ollie Banks penalty, and bit of a surprise there. Barrow up into seventh in the playoff places. So great start to the season uh, for Barrow. Uh, bottom Scunthorpe lost three nil at Newport. Oldham still down there, and Mansfield now dragged down into the bottom three as well. In the uh, National League, Dagenham, Redbridge were top, but they lost top spot 3-2 uh, at home to Altrincham. They were 2-1 up at half-time, uh, and Altrincham got two goals in the last five minutes, so a great win for them. But uh, Dagenham knocked off the top by Grimsby, who won 6-0 at um, is it Blunder Park. Uh, nearly 6,000 on, uh, maintained the 100% record 6-0 at home to Dover, who were struggling, obviously. Wrexham, back to the weather. Wrexham, incredibly frustrated, 2-0 up at half-time, uh, away at Aldershot. Uh, and they had a waterlogged pitch where they got uh, bad. 2 0 up. Uh, Mullen got one in the 49th minute, so they must have had uh, some delays in the weather from the first half. Uh, at half time, the Wrexham players and officials weren't too happy because they reckon that the home team weren't doing much to try and clear the water off the pitch. Right. So the Wrexham <laughs> players spent the half time break trying to clear Did water off the pitch. <laughs> oh uh, but it was still postponed and they weren't particularly happy, oh, especially 2 no. 0 up as well. So. So Dover at the bottom, I say at the top you've got uh, Grimsby followed by Dagenham and Redbridge and then at the bottom you've got Dover who are on minus nine uh, and actually they've got 14, minus 14 goal oh difference gosh. already. Uh, and then down there you've got Aldershot and Southend, Southend lost 2-0, Solihull Moors come straight out of the league and straight into the bottom three so it's a bit of a baptism of fire for Southend, first time out of the league and really struggling so they need to get some uh, results together, they won the first match, uh, they've not won since so... Uh, South End need a result, definitely. Barnet of the week. So my Barnet of the week, I've gone for, he's a 21-year-old Portuguese winger at Wolves. He's on loan from Barcelona. And whenever we've actually watched him play, we've always highlighted him as a player that we think looks really good. Not yet to get scoring the goals or get the assists, but I think definitely one that when they all get going at Wolves, he could really stand out. And that is Francisco Trincao. And um, I was looking at his barnet the other week and he's got a lovely like middle parting, very like full wispy hair, a company with what facial hair, it could be a goatee, it's more like a, a little moustache, well I think it might be a goatee but I'm not sure the moustache and like the hair at the bottom of his chin is linked, does that mean it's a goatee if it's just like a moustache with a bit of hair on his chin? Uh, I guess so, yeah. So um, yeah, he's got a great barnet and definitely one of those players. I'm really excited to keep watching him play in the Premier League on loan from Barcelona. I think I think he's going to come really good for them eventually. Uh, I'm going back to uh, back to the uh, ex Yorville Loney, uh, who's had a, a cracking barnet for his whole long career. Actually, so Andros Townsend, mm. uh, who's very recognisable with his uh, hairstyle and. Uh, unrecognisable for all his goal tally as well. So well done, Andros Townsend. Not only recognition as a, a great start to the season, but a great Barnet as well. Right, that's it this week for Football Chants and Rants with the Plants. Don't forget you can follow us on social media, go on Twitter and search at Plants and Rants to have your say on what was quite disappointing by a sounds of a chant that I put forward to Dad this week for the Everton fans. We'll be back with some more Football Chants and Rants with the Plants next week and we'll see you then.